Heavenly Father, we pray that you would speak to us once again this Christmas night by the power of your Holy Spirit. Touch our hearts and minds and direct our wills. In Jesus' name, amen. Christmas is a time to, well, how would you fill in that blank? Christmas is a time to, you know, I love to watch the retailers fill in that blank. I assume they have teams of marketing experts sitting around in May or whenever they have to do this kind of thing to figure out what kind of tagline they should have. Here are a few of this year's Christmas retail slogans. Abercrombie and Fitch say, this is the time to give, to get, to celebrate, to share. L.L. Bean exhorts us to share the joy. Eddie Bauer to give comfort and joy. Marshall's promise, your surprise is waiting. Forever 21 says, don't be a Grinch. Nordstrom's tagline is gift giving, we got you, which sounds about right given their prices. <laughs> American Eagle is unashamedly blunt, give me what I want. Well, I wonder which of these uh, might the church be the most willing to adopt. I think the closest to getting it right is actually Abercrombie and Fitch. This is the time to give, to get, to celebrate, to share. For Christmas is a time to give. God gave the best give gift ever in Jesus. Christmas is a time to celebrate. That's why we're here tonight. And Christmas is a time to share as we go and tell it on the mountain that Jesus Christ is Lord. But tonight, I want to focus on Christmas being a time to get. I'm not thinking of what you might get under the tree in the morning, but I am thinking of what is on offer to each of us, that which we can all get, that which we are invited to receive. Now, I know that Jesus said it's more blessed to give than to receive. But he could very easily have added, especially to people like us, but it's harder to receive than to give. Isn't that so often the case? You know, when someone gives you a genuine compliment or praises your hard work, how easily we, we brush it off aside, we brush it off. Or if someone gives you a present totally unexpectedly, you may feel a sense of panic as you realize you didn't buy that person a present or what you got for them uh, doesn't seem good enough. So you hastily try and find some gift or better gift to give them in return, spurred on not by the joy of giving or receiving, but simply by, well, guilt, I guess. And yet the truth is, Christmas for us is not all about giving. It's first about receiving. And I know that might seem a little bit strange or even selfish 
I mean, is, is Christmas really about what I can get? Is it about making our wish lists and being on our best behavior so we can be judged nice and not naughty? Often what makes us sentimental and feel good about Christmas is when we watch those classic movies or read the timeless stories and we see stingy, mean people become generous and giving people. Take Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol, for example. At the beginning of the story, Ebenezer Scrooge is described like this. The cold within him froze his old features, nipped his pointed nose, made his eyes red, his thin lips blue, and he spoke out shrewdly in his grating voice. And yet by the end of the tale, the man whose typical response to anyone who wished him a happy Christmas was to cry, bah humbug, is transformed into a generous soul who happily gives out gifts and pay raises. It's a great story. But the Bible tells a different story, a story of God's gift to us, not of our gifts to others. William Willimon writes, I suggest we are better givers than getters, not because we're a generous people, but because we are proud, arrogant people. The Christmas story, the one according to Luke, not Dickens, is not about how blessed it is to be givers but how essential it is to see ourselves as receivers. I think one of the reasons it's usually easier to be one who gives rather than one who receives is that the giver so often is the one who has the power or the wealth, who is able, competent, self-sufficient. And so oftentimes we may give from a position of strength or security. But Christmas presents us with a very different picture of giving and receiving. You see, the true story of the nativity does not portray us as worthy givers. On the contrary, we must come to the manger as unworthy recipients. The giving at Christmas all comes first from God. The Word became flesh. The Word that was in the beginning, the Word that was with God, the Word that was God, the eternal Word, Jesus, the Son of God, was born. A most unlikely, unimaginable, seemingly impossible, and great and wonderful mystery. But that is what God did to give to us who may find receiving so very difficult. He used angels and a star and a young single girl, a pregnant virgin no less, to deliver the greatest gift ever given. This is a gift that we had no part in, we had no control over, that we could never have thought up or organized, chosen, understood, or approved. All we get to do is receive it or not. Our big role in the Christmas drama 
is not to have a big role. Our great acts of kindness and goodness are nowhere to be found. The action called from us is, well, not to act, but rather to receive. There is a rather awkward passivity surrounding so much in the Christmas story. Angels appear to ordinary, unsuspecting people like poor sheep farmers in the hills who get to do nothing but accept what is said to them. And Mary and Joseph likewise have very, in some ways at least, passive roles. Don't, don't misunderstand, please, that word. Passive does not mean weak or spineless, at least certainly not in this context. Passive means willing to lay aside our own agendas, our own sense of self, our own solutions to life's problems. Like Mary, who rather than argue with the angel who delivered such shocking news of her impending pregnancy, simply says, I am the Lord's servant. Let it be to me according to your word. Passivity in relation to God means accepting that he is God and we are not. Passivity is about being willing to trust God against all odds in the face of everything that might cry out to us not to trust him. For Mary, passively embracing her pregnancy and then very actively living into that, of course, must have taken extraordinary strength and trust and grace for both Mary and Joseph. But the truth is we must learn first to be receivers before we can be givers. We need to know how much we are the recipients of God's love and God's grace. Not in any way based on our own goodness and merit, but only on his mercy and love. Then we can learn how to give. Then we can enter into the joy of giving to others, of course. Now, I should imagine that few of us like to think of ourselves as passive, much less poor or needy, dependent or empty-handed. But tonight, just try and do that, will you? Oscar Romero, the late Archbishop of San Salvador, who was murdered in 1980, said this. No one can celebrate a genuine Christmas without being truly poor. The self-sufficient, the proud, those who, because they have everything, look down on others, those who have no need even of God, for them there will be no Christmas. Only the poor, the hungry, those who need someone to come on their behalf will have that someone. That someone is God, Emmanuel. God with us. Without poverty of spirit, there can be no abundance of God. It can be so hard to be on the receiving end of love from whomever it comes, even from God. For receiving love requires us to see ourselves in a rather different light than that which we may be accustomed to. 
John Wesley said, nothing is more repugnant to capable, reasonable people than grace. One of the readings we often hear at this time of the year comes from the prophet Isaiah, where the prophet says, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, a young woman shall conceive and bear a son and shall call him Emmanuel. What may be less familiar to some of you is the context of that passage. The prophet Isaiah had just been pleading with King Ahaz to put his trust in God's promise to Israel rather than in the alliances he was making with strong military powers like Syria. And Isaiah warns Ahaz that if he does not believe and trust God, that his kingdom, Ahaz's kingdom, will fall. He then tells the king that God will give him a baby as a sign. A baby? Ahaz must have thought that's absolutely crazy. A baby? I don't want a helpless baby. I want a strong army. And American Eagle says, give me what I want. So what do you want? What do you want this Christmas? The fixing of a broken relationship? A way out of debt? Relief from pain? Physical healing? Emotional healing? The end of loneliness? But what if all God gives is a baby? What if God has other gifts for you than those you would put on your list? Will you receive what he has for you this Christmas? Let me quote Willimon once more. This is often the way God loves us, with gifts we thought we didn't need, which transform us into people we don't necessarily want to be. With our advanced degrees and armies, government programs, material comforts, and self-fulfillment techniques, we assume that religion is about giving a little of our power in order to confirm to ourselves that we are indeed as self-sufficient as we claim. Then this stranger comes to us, blesses us with a gift, and calls us to see ourselves as we are. Empty-handed recipients of a gracious God who, rather than leave us to our own devices, gave us a baby. I should imagine many of you will experience the joy of giving tomorrow. I hope so. But I want to end with a simple question this night. Will you first enter into the joy of receiving? Will you allow God to give you the greatest gift ever given. A gift you didn't ask for, a gift you don't deserve, a gift you cannot match or repay, a gift that requires of you only that you say yes. The gift 
of Jesus himself. You know, on the naughty or nice scale, you and I, frankly, come up wanting. But God, unlike Santa, gives to us not because we are nice, but even though and despite the fact that we are naughty. He gives not because we deserve it, but even though we don't. And so this night, as you come to the Lord's table, I invite you to pause for a moment in this holy place. Be still with your hands open to receive. Listen to the music. Touch and taste the bread of heaven and the wine of the kingdom. Smell the incense. See the light of Christ. And finally, I invite you to receive Jesus, the eternal word made flesh. Receive him in your heart, in your mind, and in your very soul. How silently, how silently the wondrous gift is given. Where meek souls will receive him, still the dear Christ enters in. Amen.